All right, welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan. This is Nate. And this is Shannon. You know, I've had over 300 women go through my workshops and no one has ever outed me. No one has ever judged me. No one has ever thrown a stone at me. No one has ever shamed me. They just feel a permission slip to own their own story and their own template and their own fantasies. And they know that they can go home and share those with their husband. And we're back on Touch Podcast talking about fantasy. If this is your first episode of Touch, you may want to listen to the one before this. I think this episode stands on its own, but if you want to hear how we started talking about our sexual fantasies, you'll hear that in episode 21. So back to our conversation. You know, it's like, I've never known the combination to her sexual vault, and now I know, and oh, that's wow. really great information to have. Yeah, I think, and I want to point out, thanks for sharing that, I want to point out something that was really practical about what you said was that, and that we should point out, is that you're sexual fantasy is important infor- your sexual fantasies are important pieces of information they're not necessarily the direct roadmap of what you want to f- to do with your partner or with other people <laughs> if that's your fantasy right but that's important information about uh, about um did you and did you use this that you were talking about a theme like your sexual theme Everybody has a sexual theme. Okay. And it's not just one. Some people have multiple. Um, but let me just give you an example of a sexual theme. Okay. Um, I love this. Uh, I mean, you, you can imagine there's a million different possibilities, but, you know, the girl who fantasizes about being the student in the classroom that the professor can't take his eyes off of, and he's older, and he's wiser, and he's an authority, and he has to step behind the podium to hide his erection because he finds you so alluring like that's the idea of you're not like putting a particular person in the fantasy you're just fantasizing about having someone who's older and in authority over you find you attractive Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a boss or maybe it's a pastor or whatever but you know what that template is all about right can you see the the imprint in the play-doh whose hand should be there that's a daddy fantasy <laughs> and and the whole milf thing be you know, we talked about um some of the more popular porn searches the the milf search you know that or the or the granny porn search like we talked about last week on the show mm-hmm. that those are all about mama trauma it's mm-hmm. it's it's that mama longing trauma. for that it's that longing for that nurturing mother figure um and i could go on and on with different types of templates but the idea is that we've all had disappointments and disillusionments in key relationships in our lives and it forms a template and it creates a fantasy life that the purpose of the fantasy is to compartmentalize the pain from those relationships to make room for the pleasure that your brain needs to experience to send blood flow to the genitals and to create the orgasmic response because the brain can't do intense pain and intense pleasure at the same time it has to create a storyline to compartmentalize that pain to make room for the pleasure and that's why some people rely on fantasy in order to reach orgasm not all people need it and if you don't need it great if it's not broke don't fix it but i don't necessarily think that your brain's ability to create a fantasy to help you get aroused i don't think that that's necessarily brokenness i call that humanness Mm. Shannon, can I can I can I can I step into that? You're saying such good stuff, and I want to I want to go deeper here. Um, you you said how you know how people can be confused with the pain and the pleasure, and that's such a relevant thing for me, uh, because my origin story, my sexual origin story, 
started off um, with a with the place of molestation, right in my sleep, and um, I was a child, and it wasn't it wasn't good. I my first experiences of pleasure were mixed with horror and confusion, fear, and, and fear, right, and right? threat, and threat, exactly. And so, because it was at such a genesis stage, right? Um, How old were you? The best, uh, I was about between ten and twelve, around there. So. Pivotal ages. Mm hmm. So the best, the way I've been holding it lately is that once I experienced that um, fear and um, with the pleasure, those two things got fused together. So whenever I do feel pleasure, even if it's in a total safe context, if I'm on a first date um, with a woman and, and, and she's, she's open to hang out after, after drinks, I still get a, a, um, a flush of both fear and being um experiencing the pleasure and and it's it's come with me anxiety ever and arousal two-sided coin for you yes anxiety and arousal i get a, a flight or fright petrification i i sometimes freeze um all this stuff happens when i'm also experiencing pleasure and it's a happy thing too like i can be around i can be with a a, a lover we're about to go to that next stage and again, I would have to pause and think, wait a minute, what am I experiencing here? I, I cannot determine if I'm under threat or if I'm about to be lavished. It's, it's, it still requires another beat. So for those of us who are out there who are deep into our adult lives and, and we're still finding moments in which we freeze and we're trying to determine if we're okay with something, hey, that's some of us struggle with that stuff too. And um, all this conversation is is to help you realize that you know it's okay to experience those beats and if we give more spaciousness to ourselves we can navigate ourselves through and we don't need to shame ourselves away from the conversation go into it let the alchemy happen and discover discover god's creation in you as you realize that the sexual stuff that that that's been churning and forming in you is also the all those traumas can still be the, th the same things that can help heal you it's a it's a beautiful thing yeah, and that's where um, sometimes role play uh, really comes in. Like there are a lot of women who fantasize about uh, being seduced by a stranger. Ooh. And, you know, I'll let you make connections on what her template may hold. But you know what? For her husband to walk in the door and not even for, you know, not even take on the role of husband getting home from work, same old, same old as it has been every day for the past 30 years, for him just to walk in and pretend to be someone that he's not just for the sake of creating that anxiety of like, what's going on here? You know, because I know that a lot of people feel that need for an, an element of danger or they're forbidden because we're fallen creatures. And, you know, just like Eve created or Eve craved forbidden fruit. Sometimes we do too, but that doesn't mean we have to go out and look for forbidden fruit. We can, uh -huh. we can create the forbidden fruit feeling in the context of our committed monogamous relationships. We can totally Ooh. do that. Oh, that sounds sexy. Exactly. <laughs> Monogamy is totally sexy. It is totally sexy. That sounds awesome. That's my fantasy. I mean, just like over and over again, it's just monogamy. <laughs> um, it actually is. I mean, it, it can be very arousing. It is. No, I'm... Like, I, Especially to I'm people who have had a hard time really maintaining long-term bonds. Like you can imagine 
a girl who was like, I had a client whose mother died early in life and then her dad um, died like 10 or 12 years later. And so abandonment is, yeah. is part of her template. And so the idea of a committed relationship with a man that she never has to worry is going to abandon her. That's huge to her. That helps her relax mm. and be able to open up and to blossom sexually. So it's, it's interesting how some people's fantasies go in a little bit more forbidden direction and others go in a very traditional direction. It's according to what you experienced yeah. in your lifetime. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey ladies, let me ask a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending a Woman at the Well workshop with our very own Shannon Etheridge, yay! Author of 22 books and relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to 8 to 10 pre-screened participants, so act now and reserve your spot today. Excellent. It's not a matter of a prescription from the pulpit of this is how everyone should think and feel and function sexually. It doesn't work that way. Sexuality is as unique as our fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I walk... Um, how do I want to tell this? I, I walked into a group of women who I, I knew pretty well who were um, talking and, um, and, and they were talking about the, um, they had somehow happened upon the topic of the, f- the fantasy of having sex in public and about, it was about half of them had the same fantasy. And so that's sort of what the conversation was about. I was like, and, but none of, none of them wanted to actually do that. They just had that fantasy, the, the, the thought of it, but the, probably about the other half or maybe maybe a little less than half of the women like that i the that idea was so terrifying and such a turn off to them like 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 they weren't judging each other at all they were like drinking wine and laughing and stuff but it was real interesting to see how like they were completely like you could not have a fantasy that was more different you know for some of those women like the the idea of just like it just made their skin crawl, really, to, to the idea of having sex in public. But, but um, yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah, to, that, to point. that point. So I have a great story to correlate with that. Um, there was a, a husband who learned in a coaching session, his wife admitted to him that, yeah, sex in public was a huge turn on concept for her. But, you know, they were Christians and they were like elders in their church and like there was no way they were going to risk, uh, you know, their status uh, doing something like that. But um, on their anniversary one year, he, um, he drove her out to his parents' acreage and drove out to the middle of it in a thicket of trees. And they, it, he had a mattress in the back of his truck. And they made love under the stars in a public place, but there was absolutely no one around and it was on private yeah. property. And yeah, so it's like, you, you and, and it meant the world to her that he yeah. honored that fantasy. But then I had other clients that... Um, he like he was totally into hey babe 
pretend like you're, uh, you know, like you're a porn star. Pretend like, you know, like he had committed not to look at porn, but he wanted to like do photos and videos and, and she went along with that for a while, but then she admitted to him, I don't want to do that every time because that's not my fantasy. That's your fantasy. Mm. Her fantasy was just to wrap herself up in a blanket and have him join her underneath it, that we called it shell sex. That shell she, sex. Shell sex. Of just, she wanted to just climb into her shell Aww. and not worry about what she looked like or you know being camera perfect or anything she didn't want to have makeup on she didn't want to be dressed in lingerie she just wanted to be her natural self just take off her makeup take off her clothes climb under the covers lights off and just hold me passionately that got her relaxed and aroused mm -hmm. so it's it didn't have to be either or that either one person gets their way or the other person gets their way mix it up change it up make but make sure that both partners are getting their needs met Make yeah. sure that each, if a, if a husband and a wife both knew the key to unlock their partner's sexual arousal vault, <laughs> think of how vibrant married sex would be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, it's a, it, it can be a process to get there, right? It can be a process to get there. Because Trust I'm, is key there. I, I'm learning something and I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to have. Uh, been able to experience this. Um, one of um, what I've learned about one of my sexual fantasies is I, I didn't think I'd be a BDSM guy. I, I still kind of grapple with that. But you know, as I mentioned before, you know, because of the molestation that happened to me when I was younger, the idea of being bound and then having my lover, you know, relieve me with without my ability to stop her. There's this is a very frightening fantasy and it's also very to... arousing is my guess based on your experiences in life sure yeah of course i would get an erection my body would kind of like have a release you know but the emotions and these are the distinctions that we don't see a lot in pornography the the emotions i was going through was something completely different than i'd seen in pornography i was going through the catharsis as, as if someone was leading me to jesus again i was i was going through like my my own emotions like what am i experiencing i felt shame i felt please go away i would tell my partner to stop and my partner would stick with it and then i would i would cry afterwards and then she kind of hold me afterwards and afterwards like okay what the heck was that was that a fantasy was that a role play was it was it healing and it was and it was and Do you know why um why because it's the <laughs> opposite of the messages that you got your whole life it's the opposite of shame. I don't have to, okay, the, the whole idea of someone else is doing this to me and I don't have any control whatsoever. I'm not being a bad boy. I'm not being naughty. Mm. I'm being a victim. Ooh. I, I have no responsibility in this matter. I have no control oh. over it. Therefore, you can't blame me. There's oh. no shame to this because I can't stop it. Yeah. That's oh. the fantasy for you. Yeah. And I, Shannon, I don't know if you would agree with this, but it seems to me that a lot of Christian people's sexual fantasies tend to be kind of passive like that because they're not the perpetrators of the bad thing, but they get the sexual arousal benefit of having it done to them. So Absolutely. The, the man sneaking in the window or the, the teenage boy who's abducted by two sex fiend women and tie him up. Nathan's apparent fantasy, or he or he goes to a friend's house <laughs> yeah. and the friend's mother seduces oh, him. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
the Friends I mean, yeah. Mob oh, Fantasy. Oh, what, what was it, uh, Mrs. Robinson? Oh the, yes, it's the whole Mrs. Robinson fantasy. But oh, there's a, a movie and a song about the whole fantasy. Yeah, it's so thank common. God for Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and <laughs> with the Art Garfunkel, and, was that Simon uh, and Garfunkel or Steve? Who's Robinson? the woman? And yeah, but sixty percent yeah. of romance novels have a, a rape scene in them because <clears throat> romance novelists know. That this is a common theme for women is because women especially are told good girls don't, good girls don't, good girls don't. And we don't want to be ousted from the tribe by being a bad girl, but we're not being a bad girl. We're being, we're, we're a victim. So they're called corset busters of like, I'm trying to keep myself so straight laced and buttoned up here, but boom, I come bursting out because <laughs> he rips it off of me type of a thing, but it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. So I can still be part of the tribe. That's, that's the fantasy right there. Mm-hmm. How can I experience pleasure, but it's not my fault. I can't be shamed for it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is so interesting to hear because like for men, a lot of the narratives that we have in regards to um, women's sexual desires, we have metaphors and images that are about containment. For example, Pandora's box. Pandora's box is essentially coming from, you know, the box from the feminine, like unleashing unleashing all of that unpredictability and not being able to put the stuff back in, right? Um, <laughs> and you were the man who unlocked the box. Yeah. <laughs> That's what men want to see. That's what husbands crave more than anything. That's true. Yeah. And I'm also getting flashes in the movie Ghostbusters when they were told not to open up the containment unit because all the ghosts are going to be released into New York. And then, you know, the apocalypse. And so it's like, ugh. Yeah, you're right. Some ghosts that are released are just Casper. You know, it, they're just friendly ghosts to, <laughs> to teach you that it's okay to own your story and uh, it's okay to experience pleasure. And there's a reason, folks. There's a reason why Shannon's on board here and she's the one who's saying these things because in truth, something that I've been learning, especially now, is um, as men, we just don't have the physiological things for us to understand pleasure as women do. We don't have a clitoris. We don't have an, 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 an organ devoted entirely to pleasure. And because we don't have that in our mind-body, why are we to think that we have the wisdom to, to teach pleasure? We don't. We don't. We take that, we take that lead from women. And- I actually said to Charlie this weekend, after some amazing lovemaking and orgasmic responses, I said, Ooh. I'm just so sorry that you don't have clitoris because if all of your 4,000 nerve endings were multiplied by two and you had 8,000 nerve endings and they were all concentrated in a little eighth of an inch of geography on your body like you wouldn't believe how great sex is and I just think that it's so sad that women think that sex is just for men that they don't get anything out of it it's like you have twice as many nerve endings you have three times as, as many ways to have an orgasm and you don't have a refractory period why would you want, you know, the penis and me thing is just a bunch of bunk. Why would you want a shotgun when you already own a semi-automatic? Whoa! <laughs> Women have to take ownership of what their body is capable of experiencing, but they will never do that until they give their mind the freedom mm. to experience what mm. it needs to experience to create that orgasmic response in your body. And and a lot of men, and when we when we limit the potential of our partners, when we limit their fantasies when we limit the this the unknown areas where they can go 
we're actually limiting our own experiences that we can have with them. So um, there's so much we can learn and grow and blossom when we learn not to be afraid of of the unknown sexually confident woman. <laughs> well, and, and that's a really great motto for this particular episode. Don't be afraid of your desire. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of your desire. It represents the past. It, 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 like desire is not, or fantasies are not, a roadmap to future fulfillment. It's a roadmap of your rocky past. So your desires are part of your story. It's how your story has evolved. Just contain them, take them captive, make them obedient to Christ or your own personal, um, you know, morals. Uh, don't use and abuse people. Don't do things that you're going to get arrested for and lose your job for. Don't reel people in manipulatively. Just take ownership of them share them with your spouse and, and just enjoy it. I think that that's what God really intended when he created our bodies and brains to work in tandem the way that they do is that, you know what, it's okay to compartmentalize pain long enough to make room for pleasure. That's our little glimmer of heaven. I think that that is what God intended by wiring our bodies and our brains to work together in tandem to create such amazing orgasms is that this is intended to be a little slice of heaven, a foretaste of heaven. And I think that is why people yell, oh God, when they're coming. Yes. They literally, yes. God. Yes. <laughs> that is their foretaste of heaven right there. I, I make the sound of what that teacher did in Forrest Gump. He goes, Ey-ah! I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that scene. You don't remember it? There was some noise. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, um, something I want to just reiterate that was said earlier is that the, the fantasies, your fantasy and your partner's fantasy don't have to be the same and probably will not be the same. How can they possibly be the same? Yeah, they they could be. Totally different lives. But you could imagine in like a stress, in a stress relationship where you might interpret the other person's fantasy as a threat, um, instead of, instead of an invitation, right? Um, right, but it's not about you. It, right, right, right. It's never I'll, about the partner. Right. I love what Shirley MacLaine said. Um, she said, I've had five husbands in my lifetime, and in between those five husbands, I've had multiple partners. And what I've learned is at the end of the day, the person you crawl in bed with at night is really yourself. Mm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Like you have to take ownership of what you need, but also when your partner communicates their fantasy to you, don't take it as a threat. Take it as an invitation to peel back the curtain that will give them their own glimpse into heaven. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if that's how we frame this whole conversation, is this is, this is all about experiencing the height of sexual pleasure that is humanly possible within the context of our own spiritual values. Whew, that's a powerful conversation. It, Go ahead. I'm going to add something, but finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, and for that reason, I'm grateful to have been on season two of this podcast. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to peel back the curtains for both husbands and wives to recognize what they could be experiencing if they let go of the shame that you talked about in season one and embrace their desires that we've talked about in season two. And I can't wait to see where you guys go with season three. Like, this is really cool, the way that y'all are building on this and- and reaching more and more people with the message of liberation and freedom in the marriage bed. Yeah, thank you. And for, for people who are listening, um, we 
this is season two of Touch Podcast. There was a season one where we talked about purity culture and shame. And we are winding down season two. Um, probably, I think we have two more episodes after these, this one. And um, we'll be moving into a new topic. We're still refining that topic right now. Um, uh, but we, we've got to, both uh, for Shannon's uh, consulting and speaking schedule and for uh, Nate and I are working on a, a documentary about purity culture, specifically about the True Love Weights movement. Um, and that, uh, we're doing that for YouTube that will be, um, the summer. we have to get on really soon. So we are yeah. going to have, so for lots of practical reasons, we're wrapping down, um, this season. Um, but so maybe we- let's ask people to let us know a, what they would like to us to discuss before wrapping up season two and B, yeah. what would they like season three to be about? Yeah. If you're like, Hey, you guys never talked about this or we'd really be curious about your, your thoughts and, and. Uh, suggestions for guests on the show. Um, uh, maybe people that we would not normally get a chance to run across or see their tweets. Let us send us some names. We'd love to um, talk to some new people. Yeah, and our, our guests thus far have all been through people we've actually crossed in our lives, you know, colleagues, friends, family. We've pretty much kept it a very honest circle within our scope. So as as we continue to grow and as our listeners listenership continues to grow, um, it's like a family. So who you know, if you think they should be heard on here, then we want to know. So that would be great. Um, la- one last thing I, I want to mention too, Shannon, with something you just mentioned. Like w- season one was being through the hardship of purity. Season two is, is, is about desire. And you're saying a lot of things. When, when I was in the difficulty of my marriage, I remember how it felt to hear things like this. To hear confident people talking about... Um, the sex lives that they that that they're able to cultivate and it was really hard for me to hear because it was not in my reality and it was and as much as I wanted to believe in it 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 was not in front of me so it was very difficult and the things that Shannon has said I just want you guys to to really tune in on this Um, it's really important because there there comes a point in which you need the faith that you have in Christ you need that same faith to believe in the pleasure that God has de- that, that God desires for you. If you don't believe that this pleasure is your birthright, if you don't have that faith, then you can only go so far. And this is why I think being a Christian is so important because it gives us the distinctions of faith that we need to get us through life. And sexuality is one of them. To believe in pleasure in the same way that you believe in heaven will give you the humility that you need to experience for that heaven to be reality in your sex life. So, preach it. Preach it. Now Nate's oh. preaching. Well, now I'm preaching. Now I'm preaching. <laughs> so, listeners, in case you don't know, um, uh, and before we go on this episode, I want to say that uh, Shannon has written a book about fantasy. So, she speaks both from personal experience, professional experience, but also from uh, researching and writing a book. And, Shannon, I'll, we. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit, and like if 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 someone is listening and they have a fantasy, it's not necessarily something they want to really do, but they but they have wanted to communicate that fantasy to their partner. What is your advice to them to like how to bring that up and just like start that conversation? 
Yeah. First of all, I want to recommend that they both read, both partners read the Fantasy Fallacy book. So <laughs> shameless that, plug. It's shameless plug. Totally shameless plug. And, and I'm going to go further with the shameless plug. Amazon or wherever. <laughs> or shannonethers.com. Or shannonethers.com. They, they need, to borrow Nate's term, uh, the container. They need a container to hold that information. If you give them the information without a container, it's just going to, it, it could really go south. And they could, it could really be misinterpreted because that person may not know what to do with that information. Sure, sure. But if, if you read the fantasy fallacy, I assure you that will give you a rock solid container, not just to hold the information, but to mine the riches, to um, uh, like let the container be a crucible and let the beauty of it rise up to the, or, or, or let the dross rise up to the surface so you can skim it off and have the beauty of what's left over. But I, I, I am going to give a shameless plug to that book for this reason, Ryan. Um, I spoke on the fantasy fallacy three consecutive years at the American Association of Christian Counselors World Conference. And after the third year, they said the reviews have been so glowing every single year that you have done the exact same workshop that we just want you to come to our headquarters in Virginia and do a global webinar because we think that every pastor and counselor needs to have this information in their tool belt to really be doing effective sex therapy and marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And for any pastors or counselors who need continuing education credits, studycredits.com chose the fantasy fallacy as one of their few books that they will actually award three CEUs if you just simply read the book. So yeah, it was one of the most researched books that I've ever written. And it's the one that wow. I'm the proudest of. Mm -hmm. And it's the one that wow. I speak on most often. And it's the one that, that people will you know, seek me out for coaching about. Yeah. And for people who come into my workshops and they've already read that book, they're, they've like been catapulted you know, further down the lane than most people who come in not having read it. Yeah. So yeah, totally shameless plug um, for all the right reasons, I think. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for so, giving me the opportunity to put that yeah, out there. Yeah. I just want to say, guys, that this, I know that we're not done yet, and I'm glad, but this is such a ball. Like, I, <laughs> I feel sorry for people who don't have healthy individuals that they can have these conversations with because this is like every step of the way, this has been so much fun. Have I gotten nervous at times? Absolutely. Have my butt cheeks clenched really tight during <laughs> certain parts of certain shows? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I know that some people are thinking, oh my gosh, but you know what? Again, I hope that what we're modeling for folks yeah. is that it's okay to agree to disagree on things. Let's focus more on what we do agree on and, and, and get along and, and learn from each other instead of judging each other. Yeah, that's a good word. And I, you, I, I appreciated that from the last episode. And this episode, I think it's really good to end on is that uh, I think we have modeled that um, how to have and, and, and it really should be that in Christian community and between Christian communities, people should, we always need to work on our curiosity and um, put love and humility up front and not and and really fight our trigger to judge when we hear something that just weirds us out um, from whatever direction that might come from and um, to stay curious and stay in relationship and let you know let let the spirit work in that relationship to do the mm. work to 
to do the the healing and the bonding and the educating that the spirit does in relationship and not um and you know not cloister ourselves off and 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 let resent resentment and judgment and um and anger and frustration sort of fester which is what happens when we you know watch too much cable news and fight with our relatives at thanksgiving and all of the stuff that is not modeled at all um in the media <laughs> or on twitter right i love thanks for saying that whole the whole bit there man about staying in the relationship i mean hear it from me folks i'm someone who 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 got divorced and there are some more things i could have done in the marriage that that um and we both were able to talk about it and, and move from it so um Staying in that those wisdom those words of wisdom Ryan just felt like good chicken noodle soup for my soul, man. So thanks for saying that. That was good. You're welcome. Oh, and that is all the time we have to talk about fantasy on this episode. I think fantasies are fun, and there are definitely some fantasies that should stay in the fantasy realm. And others that, you know, we can help make come true. I mean, I'm not gonna help you make it come true but you and your partner can you know work on that (laughs) Uh, but always remember to communicate with your partner you know don't keep hidden agendas you know always always keep things consensual and mutual and you know when you have the bandwidth explore with a therapist and with your partner what your fantasies might mean beyond just being able to turn you on. So again, thank you for listening to Touch Podcast. You can email us at info at touchpodcast.com or tweet us at touch underscore cast. We would love to hear from you. Hey listeners, you may not know this, but Ryan Clark has a consulting company. It's called Next Good. And this is how he helps individuals and organizations rewrite their futures by becoming actors in their own comedy. You'll learn how to collaborate, experiment, and play with your fellow cast members as you all move forward in life toward your ultimate goals. Go to ournextgood.com for more information. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Novero. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.